Office 365 Distill. Hello and welcome to episode three of A Weed Ram. Steve Dolby here doing another solo act and wanting to build on what we did in episode two. We talked about breaking through the barriers and how to kind of find value in yourselves as you move into a new organization, start a new job, or even start a new project. But, you know, how to kind of make sure that nothing is going to get in the way. Today, I want to spend 20 minutes talking about how to create impact faster. Okay. Now, there's nobody on this podcast, whether you're an end user or a consultant or, or even somebody that's trying to improve themselves. If you know anything about change and Microsoft 365 and computer systems, is that this takes a long time. Okay. Um, typically for two or three thousand people in an organization to move to Microsoft 365, get it started, get it configured properly, get all the applications that you want out, you're going to be talking maybe 18 months, okay? Because nobody wants to wait 18 months because we live in an agile environment. Agile is the way to go. Agile allows you to develop value quicker. So what I want to do on here is to talk to you and hopefully tell you about a few nuggets, as Moraine likes to keep calling them, some golden nuggets about how you can create impact faster. Now, part of this problem is especially if you're working on a consultancy contract or if you are new to the organization, you might not actually know where the impact will be felt the most. Now, what are we talking about? Impact. When we talk about impact, we're basically talking about where people will realize you have made a change. So, for example, if you just enable an application like OneDrive, then there's no real obvious thing that says, hey, Steve Dolby's made a change here. He's rolled out OneDrive. And, of course, you need to find some way of of, uh, measuring it and identifying it and spotting it. But of course, if you provide OneDrive in the context of people having lost some content on a file share, then the impact of you putting forward a solution that creates automatic versioning, has full restore available under the end user's control, has uh, constant growth, so there's no limitations in size and capacity, then people will know that you have made an impact. And that's what you're basically trying to do here. So we're trying to create impact faster. So this is just a whole list of things that we can do, things that we can focus on, some advice on how to get about it. And it's under three headings. The first one is understand the need. As I said earlier, unless you actually know where you can make the impact, then you're not going to make the impact. The second one is identify the current risks. That would be another area that you can create impact in if you've been able to drastically reduce risks or if something's failing constantly and then it stops failing because of something you did, then you are going to create and make impact. And thirdly, I kind of want to just talk about anything under the subject of ignoring the normal, okay? Uh, We'll get onto that a little bit later. But if you've done Microsoft 365 work, then there tends to be a bit of a normal way of doing the job or a way that most people find easily acceptable. And we're going to kind of ignore that as well. So understanding the need. So what does this actually mean? Well, it basically means that you're looking 
for the space to be most effective in. Now, on several counts, this will make you look cool. First of all, you fix something, you've changed something, you've delivered something, and then they'll keep you around because you're becoming a miracle worker. But how do you do that? How do you try and identify the most important need? Well, what I do is I go and talk to everybody. Everybody from the director downwards, really, until you reach the coalface, you know, the, the kind of role or the people that are delivering the goods. Now, the reality is that you're probably never, ever going to get to talk to the director unless, of course, you're being employed in a small organization or an organization that's fairly flat. And you're probably never going to talk to the person that is on the production line or literally at the coalface if you're working in a kind of mining industry or the bank teller uh, on a bank or maybe the receptionist in a hotel or finally maybe that person in an estate agent that you know operates the computer. But you need to try and identify as high as you can and as low as you can and talk to them about what they do. Talk to them about how well it's going. Okay, You need to collect stories. Everything is a story in, in your business, in any business, in all companies. Everybody talks work. And those stories will normally lead to something that went wrong or something that went good. Nobody ever talks about the normal things. So collect the stories. Listen out to the stories of failure. Oh, last time we tried to do our email migration, we was out of email for four days. And then dig down find out why try and identify the people that were associated with that failure find out what went wrong find out why it was so sensitive collect the near misses you know those things where in it especially or within one of the production or operation divisions they will be able to give you the inside line of what went wrong i heard one the other day um about uh, about 80 people got upgraded on their email the problem is nobody told them that they were going to be upgraded. So easy enough fix, make sure there's a process in place. And that was a near miss. I mean, at the end of the day, the biggest concern was people hadn't been told that there was going to be a change, fix, make an impact, communicate better. They were more sensitive about the things that were going wrong because they were nervous and worried and hadn't been prepared. So one or two people where they couldn't create shared calendars, for example, or one or two people where they couldn't log in anymore, they all thought it was a bigger problem than it actually was. You can create impact by identifying and fixing them quickly and reassuring everybody. And finally, measure. Find out what the actual consequences were. But that near miss can allow you to put in fixes and improvements and create impact faster one of the things about failures and near misses is you need to understand the objective and why it failed obviously why it failed you want to try and fix it but what were they trying to achieve because it could well be that your ideas or some experiences of yours can make the process better so your impact will be bigger if you're able to kind of repeat a safe migration, for example, or identify further weaknesses or further risks. So what our objective here is to identify what the business find important, whether it was a failure and if it failed and they remember it, it's because it was stopping them do something. So it was therefore 
important. And finally, in this space, identify the business process, but identify it backwards from the customer. So if it's a freight company, the customer is the person that receives the goods. How do they receive the goods? Who hands it to them? How do they get it there? What vehicle do they use? How do you track where the parcel is? What is the first point of contact for the depot where it gets put into the mode of transport? How does it get to that depot? How is it tracked? Who's touching the parcel? Now, we can do a high-level view first of all. You know, customer receives the parcel, van drives it to the location, Van picks it up from the distribution depot. Lorry d- arrives in the uh, delivers it to the distribution depot. Blah blah blah. Okay, all the way back to where it gets sent potentially. In in the case of freight, I'd do two processes: receiving content and and then stored, and then from storage to the sending. Even if it is kind of continuous in some way, but get to know that process. Get to know the high level of the process, the basic building blocks, okay? How does a customer find you? Do they have a website? Do they make a phone number? Are all of those processes complete without error? So, for example, if a customer goes to a website because they're looking to do uh, uh, transport a, a box from A to B, does it tell them exactly how much it would be? What does the customer need to know? And try and identify some of those things that you can fix. Like, you know, how many customers come to the website, but they don't place an order? How many people come to the website, but they look at the prices and then they clear down and go away? These things will tell you stories. If you check out episode 94 of Office 365 Distilled, Marina and I deep dive into this subject, into business architecture. And how important business architecture is when we're starting to add Office 365 or initiate, you know, content architecture, content management, automation and workflows. So that business architecture, if you want to find out a bit more about that, check out episode 94 um, and, uh, and have a listen. And you'll see that we've identified the process. We've then dug down into the processes, identified where we can improve something and then we prioritize information accordingly so again we can create impact faster so that's understanding need and understanding where the information is that you need how you're going to get to it and identifying things that need to be done the next area the second one is identifying current risks Every organization has some kind of risk register, risk monitor, risk person, whether it's the security guy, whether it's the operations officer, that kind of stuff will have an area of where the company's most sensitive areas are, whether it's something in the supply chain, whether it's sourcing the right materials, whether it's the cost of something, etc., etc. So identify the current risks and break the problems down that affect the core processes. So we've already got business architecture, the core processes, which we've looked at. But then start looking at each of them from a perspective of risk. So some items like delivery, work out what stops his delivery. Customer support, you know, why do customers get annoyed? What is the customer's biggest complaint? Customer complaints mean they'll go somewhere else eventually after they get fed up of getting a poor service. 
sales and manufacturing, lost sales, manufacturing numbers, defects, that kind of stuff. Identify where the risks are that are occurring regularly. There's some interesting thought processes here. So, for example, remember people most likely to complain about consistent issues. So fine-tune your ears. When you say, oh, it always does that, and I just reboot and it goes away, that is a risk that it's taking time, it's inefficient, and it might not reboot up again. Look at the points where there are single points of failure. Okay, So people that complain about consistent issues on a regular basis. Some like to brag about the time they saved the company. Listen to the war stories. Oh, yeah, we had to blah, 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 and I saved the company because I was able to get together and find an email, blah, blah, blah. Whatever the story is, however they saved it, listen, ask questions, put it away because it will come in useful. If they saved the company, it's because they mitigated a risk. And if you can identify why that was a risk and then you can put a permanent fix in, you created impact a lot faster. Understand from sales the deals that get away and try and find out why. They will want to know why because there's nothing more frustrated than a sales director or a salesman that misses their target when it wasn't in their control. Salespeople are very vocal when processes don't work the way they they need them to be or the way they want them to be. We've talked about past disasters and things that go wrong, but by getting through those stories and analyzing them and finding out whether it happened twice by asking people involved in the process, then you'll be able to identify weaknesses across that business architecture and look for single points of failure. So suppliers are very often a single point of failure and they usually have a key part in the process. So uh, is that supplier having problems sourcing their um, their raw content that they then turn into something for yourself? Um, go and talk to the purchasing people to find out what audits and things they've done on suppliers. Manage service providers, another area uh, that we don't really have direct control over, but go and look at them to see whether there's ways you can mitigate that risk. And question how the business protects itself. The company's been going for 20 years, no problem at all, but that basically means there are places where they just do something without thinking about the risk because it's never gone wrong in the past. So identifying those current risks allows you to identify where you can make the most impact. So we've talked about understanding the need and the business processes and, and areas that it's failed in the past. We've talked about identifying the risks. And we're basically you now have to try and work out how you can make the biggest impact by making sure that failure doesn't happen again or mitigating the risk so that it's not a risk anymore. And then obviously document it and, and make sure the process is updated or modified as you need to. So ignore the normal. Who says you must do OneDrive first? Who says that OneDrive must be synced to the desktop? Who says that migration is the way to drive adoption? Well, in all honesty, there's some truth in some of these things. Like, you know, OneDrive is easy to do. Um, if people can sync to their desktops or their laptops, then they can take their content with them. There's easily an instant value associated with that. 
But it's also not the easiest thing to put into place. I mean, your governance around OneDrive, size copies, you know, uh, what your what access is going to be given, your sharing policies, all those things will take time um, to work out what they are and, and you'll need to talk to a lot of the organization. So ignore the normal. So just because you need to have this done first or you read articles that say this is the best way to do Microsoft 365, what you need to do is to deliver cloud computing in the terms of Microsoft 365 as we're talking based upon need and value. Based upon need and value. What you've been doing is understanding the business. You've not just had a quick one-day tour around. You've talked to people in the business. You've got a list of problems from the past. You've got a list of risks so take your solution, take your ideas, take what the scope is of the project and what you're delivering and marry that against everything that you've learnt about where the risks are, about where you can create the biggest impact. Now, once you've identified those, you can document the solution and then you can email them out and, and to various people for comment and say things like, you remember that time where six of you lost all of that folder with all of that content and you had to redo the work? So if I gave you this kind of functionality based upon OneDrive where we would give you automatic versioning and blah, 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 or what if I gave you an MS Team site? I know we don't have many of them around, but if we tie it down and we give you access to it and then you can do X and Y and Z and find out what they think and whether it would work. You can do that four or five times on four or five issues on four or five subjects. Remember, what you're looking for here is a solution that fixes a problem. And if you take Microsoft 365, most iterations of Microsoft 365, people struggle to find the why. Why are we going to the cloud? Because a lot of Microsoft 365 is the same thing as it was when it was you know, Windows Server 2000. It's just a way of being able to store the content. But now we have a whole bunch of functionalities and safety behind it. And most of the time, users don't see that. They don't see the fact that I can auto-restore OneDrive because hopefully they're never going to use it. But if they've had problems before and it's there to reduce that risk of happening again, then you will create impact. If your emails... All right, because you've migrated them to Microsoft 365 are now helping the well-being of the staff in the organization and you're helping them do a better work-life balance and you're reducing the retention because retention of staff was a problem and a risk, then you're creating impact. Hey, and you're going to do very well out of it, yeah? They're going to give you more and more trust. They're going to trust you when it gets to do the difficult things like, for example, adding sensitivity labels where people have to do extra work than they had before or where they have to add metadata into a SharePoint site because that's extra work than when I was just able to save or secure something. So ignore the normal. Base your delivery of Microsoft 365 on what will have the greatest impact. And don't be frightened of doing it in small quantities. It might not shorten the overall project, but trust me, my experience says you can never shorten a Microsoft 365 implementation unless you focus only on certain things and then take a break. 
So for example, if they have Skype for Business and you want to migrate people away from Skype for Business, then roll out MS Teams, but don't roll the creation of Teams. Let them just do chat groups, okay, and do meetings, and do meetings through Outlook. And so you're giving them a like for like, but now you're giving them better sharing capability external access capability because that's the need you identified as both a need of the business so better communications with external people something you identified as a real requirement that is affecting business and you're reducing risk of course because your content is now better protected through microsoft 365 so ignore the normal choose the solutions that will deliver the impact faster and don't think about having to roll everything out so rolling out ms teams is a big job but rolling out ms teams just to do chat and messaging is not a big job and they mostly know how to do it anyway all right so this is steve dolby is our we dram from office 365 distilled episode three creating impact faster uh, hopefully you've learned something from this so remember when you step in there, understand the need by talking to people and finding out what failed in the past. Identify the risks and then prioritize your word and ignore the normal and basically give them the services that will create impact faster and put you on a better road to implement the rest of the Microsoft 365 toolset. Hope you found a golden nugget or two out of that. Uh, as I said, episode 94 digs a little bit deeper into the business architecture. Steve Dolby and Moraine will be back on uh, another episode uh, of the Office 365 Dilled podca Distilled Podcast. But in the meantime, Steve Dolby going off to take a weed dram and is wishing you a goodbye.